This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that learns lessons from losers and shaves sometimes. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. I can't wait to find out what's happening next. Good day, Andrew. Very Good day, Fools. cryptic introduction Thanks for there. joining us for our first episode of our second year on air. Yes, that's, that's pretty it. Pretty impressive. That's it. We better do a good job, mate. <laughs> Good luck. Lessons from losers was the first topic. Oh, and, is that us? Not us. Oh. No, not us. Other uh, losers. Other losers. Right. And there's Th- those plenty, guys there's, over there. There's plenty of losers <laughs> to learn from. So we're going to we're going to talk about that. All right. uh, should you sell in May and go away? May, May hasn't been great. Let's face it. No. Um, it's one of those uh, well-trod sayings on the market. Let's unpack that. Are we a little bit late. It is June, as we know. But you know, it's worth asking the question. There was plenty of people asking about it last month. Better, better late than never. Is it time to go? And how the humble razor can make you a better investor. We'll explain okay. that when we I'm come to there. it. All right. Scott. Oh, yes. Lessons from losers. Yes. Now, I know... So you're talking to me. Is that the m- plan? Many of our listeners are going to find this hard, <laughs> really hard to understand, but apparently you've actually made a few losing investments in your lifetime. One I or laugh. two. I love. One or two. Um, tell me your worst one. Yeah, so the losers we're going to learn from aren't individuals. They're not people. They're not yep. you and I, thankfully, although uh, other people have called us worse. This is the, the stocks that we didn't necessarily do quite so well as we might have on. Mm, yes. My, my biggest loser... My biggest loser was about a 90% loss. It was a little company called Credit Corp. And this is a business that buys or collects debts on behalf of other people is basically the best way to put it. Now, I was, I was really smart. It's a long time ago, thankfully, I'll say, before I started in this professional gig as an amateur investor. And I heard someone I respected at the time say, you know what? Everyone should go and buy Credit Corp. I went, oh, great. Got it. So about six, six bucks, I think it was, I went and bought Credit Corp. I thought, great. I'm a genius. I followed the advice. I've done a really good thing here. I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm up for it. And then the share price fell. It fell to four bucks and then two bucks. And then Is this during the credit crunch? Dollar. And, no, this was self-inflicted. Okay. This was, this was Credit Corp. So, so this was supposed to be this great business of doing wonderful things, right? And it might have made money was it bought, it buys other people's debts. So Purchase let's say you are the, ledgers. let's say you, yep. well, yeah, that's what they call it. You have the credit card company, 20 bucks. Yep. The credit company tries to collect it and you haven't paid them back in six months. And they're like, out of my you know cold what? dead hands, they're going to get this. that money. Yep. So they say, look, I don't think I'm going to collect this money anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll sell that, that debt to someone else and they can try and come after you and get the money. That's right. effectively what critical. Collection house does the same thing. Right. So critical with the guys who come and knock on your door and say, dude, you still owe the bank money. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're going to collect it on their behalf. Mm. Um, they'd paid a truckload more than they should have for a whole lot of these debts mm. and they couldn't collect them. Mm. So they got all these loans, they took out loans and bought these debts. They're supposed to be able to pay them back when they collected <sighs> the money. The money didn't come. They'd overpaid. Everything went to, well, crap. And the shares, I want to say, fell to about, I don't know, 60, 90 cents, something mm. like that, right? So six bucks down through five and four and three and two. And eventually I did was you, like- Did you average down along the way? No, no, I didn't make that mistake, thank God. God, my mistakes are like so much worse <laughs> than yours. No, no, because mine's got, mine's got a better one, right? Okay. So I lose about 90% of my money. Yeah. I'm like, screw this, as you would say, for a game of soldiers. I'm out. So I sell my shares think, at least, at least, I'm not going to lose any more money. Thank God I've learned from that mistake. And then the shares went up and up. Yeah. And they went up a bit more. And- Unfortunately, the shares are now, I want to say, more than 15 bucks. Oh, so I've made... I've made... Two errors. Well, yeah. Was, so the three errors are this, right? Three. The first is I bought on someone else's say-so without really understanding why they thought it was a good investment. Mm. So didn't do my own research, didn't do my own thinking, just went, he reckons it's good, I'll finally buy the shares. Okay? Then when the share price fell, I went, oh, this hurts. I'm selling. I'm out. Mm. Without doing my research, without really mm. understanding what I thought the value of the business was. We mm. talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. I've, just, I've just looked it up. The share price is now $17.94. So I've turned what could have been a 300% winner yep. into a 90% loser because I sold without doing my research yep. and walked away. Yep. 
and the shares went back up. So I bought for the wrong reasons, I sold for the wrong reasons, and I didn't do my research at either end of the spectrum. And that was just absolute and complete stupidity. Thankfully, it was a very small amount of money. It was a very long time ago, early in my investing career. Mm -hmm. But you know what? We talk about having big winners early on. People like to feel like they're winning and they're getting ahead of the game and this oh, investing yeah. works for them. Yeah, and there's some value in that, right? Because it keeps you engaged. Yeah. The, the benefit for me was I, I lost a relatively, well, a large percentage, relatively small amount of money in dollar terms. And I learned mm -hmm. a really, really valuable lesson, which is know why you're buying, know why you're selling, understand the company and don't just knee jerk buy and sell based on someone else's say so. It's like that. Uh, I, I think that's the thing with, with mistakes. You know, it's the, the wise man <laughs> learns from them. his mistakes. The fool keeps, he's de you know, doomed to keep repeating them. That's all with a lowercase F. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> all <laughs> right. So, with that. Yeah. so I put myself on the line here, Andrew. Can you better that? Mate, I can better that. Hands Thank down, Christ. five times over and in 12 different ways. Um, <laughs> I, I, 90% sounds pretty good because uh, I've lost 100% I've lost oh, on, on an investment. And that's a stock that's fallen 90% and then falls another 100% from there, <laughs> just, just for the math of aficionados. Um, so it was a company called Liberty One. I just, you have to go Liberty back to One. the tech boom. Ah. They, don't, they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> back in the good old days. Back in the good old days. Days of sausage software. And yeah. I didn't. And, and so his, I made the same mistake as you. Same mistakes. I had no idea what they did. I knew the share price was going up and I wanted some of that. Dot com, dude. Dot so com. Actually, what actually happened is I, I bought some, um, uh, it's just brand new to this whole investing caper. And, and actually it was up like three, 400%. I was just making huge, for me at the time, huge amounts of money. Um, not knowing what wrong? I was doing. And then it started to come back a little bit. So then I bought more and then I went oh. down 50, you know, and I bought more and I averaged my, my, I thought I was really clever because by <laughs> averaging down, I could make my initial purchase price seem better and better and better and better. Oh. Trouble is I averaged my way down to zero. So, um, that was a stupid thing. I had no idea what the business did. I had certainly no comprehension of, of what their value was. And I was sucking into a sexy narrative. And I think of, of all the mistakes that people make, that's probably one of the more common ones. Um, one of my favorite ones at the moment is you get a lot of people talking about sort of long-term tailwinds. So it might be something to do with the baby boomers and the <laughs> aging population, how great that is for healthcare. Or, yeah. You know, things that I, I think are absolutely unquestionably very dominant and invisible long-term trends. Mm. So they buy a company on, on, on that thesis and then three months later they panic out because of, you know, some little thing that sort of happened. I think <laughs> if you're going to sort of play these thematics that, 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 that un, unravel over, you know, a decade or more, you need to sort of be prepared to, to play it through. Yeah. That was the interesting thing about the tech boom, I think, in a lot of ways. You, you, you think of all the things that were being said back in, in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Well, they actually were all true. Right? Like we're all doing our business on the internet. The internet yeah. has taken over everything. It's it, it, everything almost that was said about the internet, um, it was said during the internet boom has come true. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The trouble was, is that there yeah. were business models there that were never going to sustain themselves yeah. through yeah. to that, that yeah. end point. Um, just and, because technology exists doesn't mean you can make money from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and so I, th I think, so yeah, full circle, be careful, beware a sexy narrative, make sure that yeah, a, right. there's some substance to it. B that the particular company you're investing in is actually going to benefit from that and see that you're actually be prepared to give it the time that, that that's going to have to play out in. That's a good point, mate. It's funny. I always think about cars when it comes to this stuff back in the day when, when Henry Ford was around, there was about 1500 car companies in the U S Yeah, right. and now there's three, yeah. one of whom is half owned by the Germans. Yep. And one of them actually went broke and been bought by the US taxpayer. Right. Right. So realistically, there's kind of one left that yeah. managed to navigate its way through less than a century of existence. And, those, and yet there are more cars on the road now than there ever were before. Right. You know, Airlines we've talked about a lot. If yeah. I told you 40 years ago that 
100 times as many people would be flying today as in 1975, you would have said, beauty, get me as many airline stocks as I can yeah, find. Yeah. And you would have lost yourself a fortune. I can think of half a dozen just in, in yeah, recent right. history. Lithium, because we're all going to need these new kinds of batteries. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is true. You know, yeah, lithium yeah, demand yeah. is going to go through the roof. And every, any, any company that had any association with lithium went to the moon, you know. Then it was um, uh, medical marijuana. There's yep. all these there's all these touted benefits with all that kind of, you know, maybe in a, in a few years' time, it is very widespread, a very credible treatment option. Yeah. And yet anything with marijuana in that title has gone up a million percent. Pot stocks, so baby, pot stocks. You, I mean, the great thing about any any good lie, I suppose, is, is not the right <laughs> word for it, but there's always a nugget of truth good to story. it. Any good story has a nugget of truth to it. And then on the market, you'll see these things and you can't turn around and say the population's not aging or, you know, this, this feature isn't, uh, isn't a reality. But it, it, it kind of makes sense, right? When you think about it. If someone said to you, invest in this stuff because there's a whole lot more people retiring in 20 years' time. You're like, yeah. oh, there is too. What was the funeral parlor that was just going gangbusters there for a while? Because there's going to be more of us dying. So Invocare? Invocare. That's the one. Uh, another another, another great example of that kind of stuff. So and it's kind of that, it's, it's, that, it's the false, uh, to your point, it's, it's a false connection, right? Yeah, yeah. One thing is true, therefore something else must be true. Yes. It, there's, there's probably a name for it. It's a logical fallacy of one sort or another. Yeah. Lots of people are going to die, therefore you should buy shares of this company. Yeah. Lots of people are going to use the internet, therefore buy shares of this company. I think one of the latest ones is machine learning and AI. Yes, and there's a yes. few little sort of dinky technology companies on the ASX. And, hey, we're developing AI. I was like, oh, AI is going to be a huge <laughs> thing in the being... future. Oh, artificial intelligence, right. sorry. Um, uh, yeah, and I kind of think, and so just drawing back full, so Liberty, I can't even remember what the narrative was at the time, <laughs> but something about dot-com and eyeballs and, you know, eventually making millions of dollars. It, it, it was a credible story uh, from a broad perspective. But from a, from a business perspective, it was never going to capitalize on that kind of stuff. So so beware the sexy story is my lesson. I think that's a good lesson. I, I, for older listeners out there, I, I have in my head the song Who Shot Liberty Valance going around and around. But I'll, I'll save everybody from me doing a, a rendition. Please don't. Lucky for Andrew and Liam, I'll do, a, I'll do a karaoke version after the podcast. I'll make sure the mics are turned off by then. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, avoid Liberty One and uh, and listen to the man who shot Liberty Valance. I, I think one, one, before we move on to the next segment, I think the other thing I would say, we sort of talked about some of the worst mistakes. You said the best mistakes Instead. Well, I was, I was going to say, it, you know, and, and you and I have both been doing this for a while. I think the, the, the other thing that we have to point out is that it's not as if that's a thing of the past. <laughs> I have made mistakes much more recently than that. And I will make mistakes this year and next year and the year after Let's that. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, and you will, right? Yeah, and I don't exactly. care who you are. You, you, you're going to go out there and you are oh. going to make. Your job as an investor is not to avoid mistakes, but it's certainly to minimize the, their occurrence and minimize the damage that they do. Or even even but, more to the point, make sure that whatever strategy you're, you're pursuing, even if you do, even if it involves mistakes, that the winners outrank the losers. I think... Yeah. You know, minimizing mistakes is, is great and we should always do it where we can. Absolutely. But if it comes at the expense of also minimizing your winners, it's actually a, it's actually a bad mistake. We've talked many times in this podcast already, Andrew, about David Gardner, one of the Motley Fool's co-founders in the US, mm. um, who runs the Motley Fool's biggest winner mm. in terms of newsletters, uh, Motley Fool Rule Breakers in the States. His success rate is something like three or four out of 10. It's really, now, really worth it. Which means yeah. he loses six out of seven times. Now, if he minimized those losers... Mm. Maybe he makes a little bit more money. Yeah. But if that came at the expense of some of those winners, the three or four that win, win massively. Mm. He, he's up, I want to say like four or five times the average rate of the market growth. He's up yeah, 250 really, really odd percent. The market's up 50%. Something ridiculous like that, right? Mm. On average in his picks. And so, yes, minimize your, your mistakes. But just be careful that whatever strategy you have, if your strategy has you making a lot of mistakes for a few really big winners, mm. then, then jump on board. By the same token, if you're not getting the big winners, you've got to make less losers. Otherwise, you're going to bring yourself undone. Yep. Nice one. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M.
if there's one industry that has more useless sayings than any other, I reckon <laughs> it would be our industry, Mr. Phillips. So uh, in May and go away, oh, they There's say. always some knucklehead on the telly talking about the, they have these <laughs> hey, wonderful hey. sayings. You and I have both been known to grace the TV screen every now and again. You're talking about us, George. I'm talking about us. Well, look, they're very easy things to fall back on. Again, there's a bit of sort of truth underlying them, mm. which I, I think helps perpetuate them. But in my, in my humble opinion, I think do far more damage than good to, uh, to a lot of, um, private investors. So we've just finished May. Should I have sold in May and gone so away? It's, it's, it's this saying that you hear. It's a sell in May and go away. The idea being when May comes around, sell out of, the, of your portfolio, uh, the market will fall and then you can buy back in at the end of May. Well, no, it's actually not even May. No, it's the original quote is sell in May and go away, come back on St. Ledger's oh, Day. Oh, that's true. That's right. Which right, is a yeah. horse race in the UK of all things. Yeah. And yet somehow investors have gone, I know. There was this quote that was probably not even sensible at the point at that time. Yeah. We chop off the end because it makes no sense for us anymore. It yeah. can still rhyme, so we can use it here. So everyone, tell in May, go away and pay our brokerage so we can go on holiday. Is that how it finishes these days? <laughs> it, it might do. Well, there's something to do. People, I've I've questioned other people, and they say, oh, it's because of uh, analysts and brokers <laughs> and instos go on holidays, and there's this oh, U.S. God. something there. And I, I think it's a very I think it's a very dangerous kind of thing to do. I mean, obviously, if there was any truth to it, here's it's it's a phenomenon you see with a lot of things on on a dynamic system, if I can use such a phrase for the share market, is that when anything becomes self-evident and everyone starts doing it, their actions undermine it and make it go away. It's self-correcting. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just self-correcting. It's also self-perpetuating until it's self-correcting, right? right? right. So yeah. someone says, right. go away, sell in May. Everyone says, no, I won't do that. Yeah. And then a couple of people start doing it. Right. So when they sell in May, the share prices go down because other people try and oh, sell. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. And everyone else goes, hey, it's true. It does happen. Yeah. And then what happens? Everyone says, sell in May, go away, works. But if I sell in April before it happens, then I'll get out before the selling May well, crowd. You, you've got to time it, right? You've got to be on the, the right side of that. So everyone sells yeah. in April. So this was the, remember the January effect? The January. The January effect was supposed to say the stocks always went up in January, right? The Santa Claus rally is well, the other one. That's why it's yeah. now the Santa Claus rally yeah, because right. the January effect became the Santa Claus rally because everyone said stocks always go up in January. So if I buy in December, I'll be ready for the rise in January. Yeah. yeah. So now the, the, the January effect is now the Santa Claus rally because everyone just shifted it forward and it just gets stupid at some level. Oh, it's well, at every level, probably. It's useless. Forget that one. So I shouldn't sell in May and go away? No. Well, I, look, the other thing is, is well, I, I didn't, by the way. So that's it, a, it's one of these things. Time. I need to update this. I haven't done it for a few years, but I'm um, being a bit of a nerd. I went back and I looked at every May, the period of May returns going back to when we first started getting data for this. There is no statistical correlation whatsoever. There's no good story in that. You can, that you, can, you can eyeball it. And in fact, it does look as though the return in May are on average a little bit weaker than a lot of the other months, but in terms of statistical significance, zero. Hold in May because there's no correlation. Doesn't rhyme. It's, never it's catch not on. sexy. No. Uh, Move on. Uh, here's another one right. I, I kind of like. The trend is your friend. Oh. So the trend of the, the end of the end. The trend is your friend is basically mean if something is going up, it's going to keep going up. So yeah. buy it if it's going to fall. Da, 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 da. How did that work? For it Liberty kind one? of comes. Right, yeah, not so great. <laughs> not so great. Well, yeah. Look, it's one of those things that it it it, it is apparently true because obviously um, things move up right? before they turn around. But, but it is. It, it's something that it, that the trick is in the definition. You can't be anything except right on one of these kind of things. The the, the trouble is there's no practical. Um, a outcome from all of this. Right. I mean, how to actually prosecute a strategy that's built around that. I mean, again, if it was that easy, everyone would do it and then it would cease to work and it doesn't work. So um, another one, don't catch a falling knife. That seems reasonable. Here, catch <laughs> don't this. catch any knife, <laughs> frankly. So that, that's that's another one that's sort of based on, on on trying to use past price movements to predict the future. Which, well, we don't bring knives into the studio, ooh, Andrew. Thank God for that. Which basically means if a share is falling, Wait till it stopped falling and ah, then buy it. 
That's easy, right? Makes, well, makes perfect sense. All you need is twenty twenty hindsight, then. Well, the trouble is, is you, it's, it's it's all hindsight. <laughs> you you can see when it stopped falling in hindsight. I'm going to wait till it stopped falling, then I'm going to buy. You know, that's what everyone says and does, and none of us do. <laughs> and, and I think it's an, another useless saying. You know, the worst thing with that is, so if you look at any share price chart, and we don't for any reasonable purpose other than just for the pointing out the folly of these things, everything falls, right? And then it stops falling, goes back up. Yeah. And then for some stocks, it goes back up, it keeps going back up, which is great. Yeah. Other stops falling, goes back up a little bit. And then completely starts that fall again. And so, how long do you wait until you until you have prepared to acknowledge it won't go down anymore? Yeah. Do you wait a day? Well, then the next day it might fall. Do you wait a week? Mm. Maybe it starts falling the next week. Do you wait a month? Yeah. Do you wait a year? By which time you've probably missed all the upside. Yeah. And maybe it does start falling again because you've had a year of good returns. Yeah. It, you know, there's the, this is human. Humans are really susceptible to false proof. Mm. And this is one of one of those you can pull. Yeah. I could pull a dozen charts at random off the ASX website right now. And I could show you these and say, see, here was the point you should have bought. Mm. Here's when you should have sold. So when it happens again, make sure you do the same thing. Yeah. The problem is there's no reality. There's no reason for the future to look like the past. Right. I said this last podcast. I'm going to say it again to annoy all the charters who are listening. Thanks for listening. But charts are a waste of time. Don't technical trade. Don't look at charts. Don't you look at prices. Thanks, you think thanks for listening is going to save you after <sighs> a comment like that? Mate. <laughs> You know, you know, you know, Groucho Marx said I wouldn't want to be a member of any club that'll let me in. Yeah, I, I, I love all investors. I hope we're we're giving some entertainment, and hopefully some some advice that's helpful to some of our our listeners. Um, but if you're using charts, just do yourself a favor, have a good think about it, because I get that it looks real, and I get that in hindsight you can prove a whole lot of stuff, or prove in inverted commas a whole lot of stuff. Statistically, we know there's been lots of research done. If anyone wants to tweet me, I'm happy to send the link to that research. There is no statistical support towards charting at all when done by someone who has no dog in the fight, just purely academically looking yeah. at the numbers. It's very compelling too. I think one of the one of the things I'm envious of with the chartists is that they're always they can always look right. So for example, you know, I've been on the telly with a few before and someone will ring up and say, Hey, hey you drop that in then, by the way. Oh, I've, been, I've been on the telly before. <laughs> not I've, I've, not, I've not a station the, that anyone I've watches, been... <laughs> don't worry. So the four people that are watching. Anyway, so you'll have someone and they'll say uh, what do you think of BHP? And they go, well, look, if it got above $26, I would buy it. And if it fell down below this, I, I would kind of sell it. And you think, oh, okay, that makes sense. And until you think it through, it's like, well, obviously, <laughs> for it to go above that, it will be a good thing. And then, yes, yeah, you should yeah. have bought it. I mean, yeah. it, it's sort of, it's self-referential in the sense that in, in two weeks' time, a month's time, six weeks' time, you will always go back and say, well, I did say people should buy it if it got above this. It, 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 it has to have been that case for that statement to be true in the first place. At least, Andrew. At least you never go broke taking a profit. You never go broke taking a profit. Another, <laughs> another great one, except it is... Makes we, sense, right? We, we can't go broke taking a well, profit. Well, mate, we, I almost said this before. We, we were talking about our biggest mistakes, and, and obviously something like Liberty One really stands out there as a, as a huge mistake. How much did you lose? Um, I, I probably lost 2,000 bucks. 100%? Which, 100%, 100%, which for me... Was That's a lot, 100%, right? Was it, yeah, 20-year-old bloke. I, I thought it was a, a huge amount of money. It is a, it is a big amount of money. It really is. Um, uh, That's what you could turn that into now after, what, you're 60 now, right? Well, what 50? I was... What I was going to say is I think my, my, my bigger mistakes, yeah. uh, the things that keep me up at night are the really stupid things I did with selling out of wonderful companies to, to lock in a profit. Yes. So yeah. you never go broke taking a profit. So I bought CSL at 45 bucks. Oh, well done. Sold at 60. Oh. Genius. It's doubled since then. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not going to go through the list. It's, it's too long to mention. And at the no, time- No, no, dude. I, I, I'm enjoying it. Hey, Scott, I made 30% into it. I'm a genius. And, you know, five years later, you look back and if I had- And this is the beauty of it, right? So it's not a question of I should have worked harder or, or been- it's like I should have just sat on my big fat ass and done nothing. Like literally nothing. Yeah. And I would be many, many orders of magnitude ahead of where uh, I would otherwise be. I've been very fortunate, Andrew. I would have made exactly the same mistake. I was very fortunate to have learned 
learned from some smart investors over my time. Um, we talked about corporate travel a lot. It's been one of my biggest winners. It's been my biggest winner um, personally and also for, for the services that I work on. Um, and I, I don't say that to, to, big, to big note myself, but the point is I could have sold that at any time over the last five years, you know, four and a half years. Yeah. And, and it was tempting because it went from two to four to six to eight to 10 to 12. And at some point you're thinking, man, what if the music stops? Maybe I should take the money off the table. Mm. I, I, take, I could sell it at $4, double money. Or some people say, I'll sell half at four bucks. And I'll, sell, I'll put the money back in my pocket and I'm playing with house money, which mm. is another stupid saying, which we won't get into now. We haven't got time. <laughs> but, you know, and then it goes to, yeah. to eight, to 10, to 12. It was 22 odd bucks, I think, last time I checked. And yeah. so, you know, that's been a nice win. I'm very happy about it. I'm happy for our members, most particularly, they've done well. But the point isn't that. The point is that, you know, it, it would have been so easy at any point during that journey to have sold out. And oh, you would have looked really smart. Mate, I, yeah. I recommended it a second time at six bucks. I thought, oh, this is a bit dangerous. It's already tripled. Mm, mm. I'm not sure if I can make any money from six bucks, but maybe it's got something left. I'll, I'll let it go. Now it's gone, it's tripled since then, right? Mm. So, um, and again, I only say that because I, I went through that myself and it's mm. only from Isaac Newton said, if I have seen, seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants. It's one of my very, very favorite quotes. Mm. Um, I've been just exceedingly fortunate to have learned at the, at the, the virtual knee of a whole lot of smart investors, including some of the Motley Fool in the States. I'm happy to, you, thought, happy, happy to help you, mate. Thank you. I didn't mean you. Um, <laughs> and and it, it, it is just pure. Wouldn't it, call you know, myself a giant, but you know, if you want to use those words. Again, not talking about you. I, um, <laughs> yeah, the, the lesson here is, you know, mental learning from, from learning from, no, you're not. Learning from others is 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 a really important thing, and I, I claim very very little personal credit. If I've done anything well, it's being able to implement the lessons of others. There is nothing new in investing, but if you can avoid some of these horrible cliches that are desperate mistakes, would I've gone broke taking a profit on corporate travel? No. Would members have gone broke? No. They would have been very happy with a double or a triple. Mm. The ones who bought back then and held on for a tenfold return. Are I can promise you a lot happier than if they'd sold out three years ago. Oh, man, there's a dozen other wonderful sayings that we could uh, rip into. What about this market, Andrew? What sort of market is Oh, sorry, okay, last one. <laughs> you know what I heard the other day, Mr. Phillips? I heard it's a stock picker's it's market. It's a stock picker's market. It's a stock picker's market. Of course market. it is. Rolls uh, off the tongue. Which, which I guess... Yeah, and a stock picker, with, that wouldn't be slightly self well, so the, so someone with a straight face would, would, would basically be saying that this is not a market that you just sort of no, want to be averagely no, diversified no, into. No. You really have to pick the it's good a stocks. Stock pickers market. Unlike right? last year, when you could just pick anything <laughs> and you were going to do well no matter what. Not only that, it was obvious at the time that that was the case. It was going to be. It is and always say a stock, it's a stock pickers, pickers market. market uh, uh, stockbrokers. Stock pickers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, look, I've, I've got I've got half a bit of sympathy for this one, right? and only. Not because of what you should do about it, but because of how it describes the market. Sure. Okay. There are some years when the market goes up 10, 15, 20%. Mm -hmm. And in that case, if you, if you owned the index, you would have done very, very well. Sure. There are other years where the, the rising market goes, tide lifting all right. boats. Yeah. Other years when the market goes down. And in that year, there would have been some stocks that did well and a lot that did sure. badly. And so if you were able to pick winning stocks when the overall market was down, yeah. then the stock picker has done well in the average market. So Correct. in hindsight, it kind of does describe how you could have been successful. You know, the... The flip side of this is the, market, the the broker who says, look at my great results. Yep. And like, dude, the market's gone up 10%. If you've gone up 5%, you're not giving anyone any great results. No. But the absolute numbers look good. Yeah. So I kind of get in hindsight why this is used. And, and in some cases when the market feels fully valued, when, when, when value finds feels hard to find, then the ability to find those companies that are going to beat the market is a value. Other times the market's going to go up anyway. You don't really need to do much to get a positive return. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you've said this before many, many times, Andrew, and it's exactly the right point, which is, if you just want to match the market by an index, yeah. if, you're going to, if you want to try and... Nothing wrong with that. If you want to make an effort and you got to pick your own stocks and you want to beat the market. So yeah. it should always be a stock picker's market because if not, you can have a lower cost, lower stress, lower hassle solution, which is buy the market. Yeah. If it's not a stock picker's market, then don't buy, don't tell someone else to stock picks if they're not going to take responsibility during the good times and the bad times. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Oh, let's. That's let's, a good soapbox, isn't it? It is. Oh, we climbing down. Really boom, boom. Boom. Okay. <laughs> off, off the soapbox. Um, let's, a long way down from that soapbox. Speaking of soap, how's this for a segue? Uh, speaking I'm of soap, we wanted to talk a bit about the so-called Gillette model. Now, students of oh, business. Oh, Gillette soap. Gillette, well, yeah, it's toiletries. I'm, I'm bundling it. <laughs> I'm bundling it very broadly here. <laughs> I'll send over this side so I can hold the long bow you're drawing. <laughs> there we very go. Long there we bow. go. So everyone will be familiar with Gillette. Students of business. The best will be a man very, can get, as the advertising will, Exactly. We'll be very familiar with their business model as well, which is they sell you the razor very, very, very cheaply. Well, and, relatively cheaply. And then you're on the hook for razors, you know, hopefully forever after. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really, really great model. We've seen it in all kinds of other areas. Um, printers you know and they should call ink it? cartridges. The they, razor and blade model. The razor and blade. No, your Gillette just. Can that work? Well, Gillette invented it, I think. Give credit where credit's sort of due. <laughs> Indeed, that and is. so well, we wanted to talk a bit about that. King Gillette, as I believe the guy's first name was. Oh, was it? His name was King, King, that was his name. He's, King like, are we on the he birth was, certificate? He was King Gillette, apparently. That's cool. So the story. I, I stand to be corrected. And if, okay. you wanna, if you want to let us know I'm wrong, let Andrew know, because I don't really care. Well, it seems a title well earned. I mean, he's he's going down <laughs> in the annals of business history as just a yeah, right. phenomenal model. And so we wanted to talk a bit about the power of this model and where else you might see it in effect. So what's so good about it, Andrew? Well, the great thing is about it is once, just to start with the Gillette model, once yeah. I've got that razor, uh, that, that handle, I suppose, more yeah, than the right, razor. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it's super cheap. Yep. I go to the supermarket. I need a razor. That one looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's the disposable ones here. And actually, here's the reject ones. Actually, not a lot. It's not a lot of money. Hmm. Um, and I'll get that and I'll have 84 a different blades? 85 a different blades. A dozen lubricating strips. It's just, it gets bigger. And sooner, it's going to be like a plate that you're shaving yourself <laughs> with. The head on this thing's going to be so big. But but the, but it, it's very, very, very affordable. Of mm-hmm. course, at some point, the, the blades go dull mm-hmm. and you'll need to buy some more. Yeah. And that's where they, they get you quote unquote, yep. where the, the price that you, when they, when they are looking at their products, they are not looking at what they get for this and then what they get for that. They're looking at that combined as in the life of mm. the customer. Mm. They buy this here. We make virtually no money, but then we recover that. And then some yep. through the subsequent sale of razors as we, as, as we go for blades. Yeah. Of, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. So you, you sell, you sell the, the, the thing cheap. And the supplies for that thing is where you make your money. And as I said before, it's where printers and ink cartridges oh. are exactly the same Mate, it's, thing. It's cheaper to buy a printer than to buy one lot of refilling. I've got a Canon printer at home. No, I think the printer amazing. was like 98 bucks. Yeah. And it cost me 150 bucks for the cartridges. Now, what do you, well, just buy some other cartridges. I can't. Ah, that's how they, uh, that's how they get you. you go. That's how they get you. And it's why we love it from a business perspective yeah, too. Yeah. Because once you've made that initial transaction, and in most cases, you are not going to really think through the ramifications of, yeah. of sort of wedding yourself to that. Um, even, even if you do, there's not a lot of choice, right? You pick an A printer and every printer is the same model. They're not like they're, they're all doing different things. Right, right? same yeah, business model. Every, yeah. every printer is cheap. Every printer's got expensive ink. And yep. you can go to get, and people are yelling at, the, at the, their uh, uh, iDevices right now or their Android Android phones and saying, you can go and get your inks refilled. And you can. Yeah. But most people don't. And that's the thing. And in fact, there's a legal case in the US right now with, I think it is Canon, basically trying to get these people put out of business. Mm. They're saying, I sell that ink with an implicit contract with a customer that says, you may not refill this. Mm. And if yeah. you buy that product with that sign on the front, yeah. you're legally, so the company said, not allowed to go and get it refilled. Yeah. So they're trying to put the ink refillers out of business yeah. by basically saying, hey, you can only buy this. We, we sold you a cheap printer. We lost money on the printer. Yeah. You're, you're part of the bargain is to keep buying our cartridges for as long as you use that printer. Yeah. We'll make our money back. That seems reasonable. Yeah. It's an easy decision to make because, hey, the printer's cheap. Why not? Yeah. But it does hook you, as you say, Andrew, back into that. And it's not just printers and cartridges. It's another household 
item that is becoming more and more prevalent. Something that George Clooney might promote. George for Clooney. Jack Black, I think he's in one of the ads as well. <laughs> ah, We're talking, of course, about an espresso, espresso machine. machine. Right, yes. so not too expensive, but right. those pods. Yeah, and they go, uh, you know, the ones that fit, right? They're the only, and that's it. That is, of course, by design. Correct. Um, and the, I've got to say, is, there's nothing sort of Machiavellian or evil about any of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's really just. Well, a little bit. Well, I, I think where. <laughs> they're, not, they're not selling you a $500 machine and 20 cent pods, are they? Let's be honest. Yeah, but, but you know what? The, the trouble is, is that if they did, none of us would buy it. It, it is our fault. You know, it's kind of like you get the politicians you deserve. I think you get the, the business models you deserve. <laughs> you get the as, coffee machine companies you deserve. You do. They, yeah, and yeah. and, and Nescafe could come out and they could say, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to yeah. charge you the thousand bucks or whatever it is for the machine. Yeah. And then we're just going to, you know, add a reasonable margin for our pods. Yeah. And everyone would go, whoa, I'm not paying that for a machine. Even though you could say, well, yeah, but think about it rationally. Over the next five years, you're going to end up spending less. You got it. Uh, no one's going to do it. So, it's, it's why they sell car leases rather than cars, right? If, yes. If you, can, if you can have a car for just... A thousand bucks a month. Yeah, it's not too bad. That's pretty cheap. Yeah. Better than paying a 60 grand for a car. Except when you add it all up and you think you're paying through the nose for that kind of stuff. It. So I, I, is there any, are there any companies, so, so we like it, I think is, is the, the upshot of all as, this. As investors, these sorts of models tend to be very sticky. It means the customers don't go anywhere else. Once you've got a customer, you tend to keep them. Um, recurring revenue. I was going like to say it. those two wonderful words, recurring revenue is just a I thing just of beauty. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm highlighting I just, it. I just, I, I'm highlighting it. Emphasizing, if you will. I, yeah, I said it first. And you weren't the first man to say <laughs> recurring <laughs> revenue. On this podcast, okay, I was okay, the right. first man okay, to say it. Okay. In the world of Motley Fool Money. Man, we love it. And why do we love it? Why do we love recurring revenue? Because it's easy to eat. You can count on it. Yep. You can rely on it. It's not going to go anywhere else easily because if you own an espresso machine, you're hardly going to go and buy Lavazza pods or someone yep. else's pods. Now, yep. there are some that mix. Same mm. with printers. You, yep. buy, you own a Canon printer, you're probably going to buy Canon ink because yep. they make the ink. So we like... We like those models because they are reliable revenue streams. Mm -hmm. They tend to be very, very sticky customers. Yep. And frankly, by the time you've used a Canon machine, you've got some extra ink at home or an extra cartridge, some extra pods at home. Yeah. Next time you buy a coffee machine, you're probably going to buy another Nespresso. Yeah, I don't want to get those pods go to waste. So the, the, the brand loyalty that effectively is locked in for the first little while mm. and then tends to become habit over time. Yep. You buy Nespresso pods for two years before you buy your next machine. There's every chance you're going to buy another espresso machine. Mate, we're going to have to wrap this up. I, want to, to... I want to get one from you, one from me. Yes. An example of a local ASX listed company that takes advantage of the Gillette model. One that's on the Motley Fool Share Advisor scorecard and that I run is ResMed. ResMed make uh, sleep apnea machines. Oh, yep. CPAP or continuous, continuous positive airway pressure machines. Help people that snore, basically. You snore and you have sleep apnea. Well, it's not snoring, sleep apnea. It's actually over, wake you up at night. Yep. Um, these guys sell the machines. The machines aren't cheap. This isn't pure razor and blade. But if you want to replace the mask, the tubes, the whatevers, you're going to go back to ResMed and get more pieces for that particular machine. Yep. So it's, a, it's kind of a bit razor and blade. You know, there's the margin that cost. they make on the parts is much better than they do on the, on the units. Spot on. They keep the units as cheap as they can because they know they're going to make money on you after that. What about you? I'll give you an example. It's a, it's a small company that many people wouldn't have heard of. Um, uh, for the record, I am a shareholder, just to disclose that. It's a wonderful little business called Nanasonics. Oh, These was guys that, was have that a pun? Little business, Nanosonics? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. No. I'm not, not nearly that clever, mate. <laughs> Um, uh, so what nanosonics do they have this, they have this device that sterilizes, uh, medical probes yep. and, um, very effective cool company. at a really cool company yep. and they've been doing really, really well. I'm happy to say, well, what they do is they shell, they sell this disinfectant device, mm -hmm. but then they sell that there's a, there's a chemical spray that you need to, to, to load that up with. Who sells that? Uh, nanosonics. Uh -huh, you know who else go. sells it? Who? No one. <laughs> and, and do you know that over the life of- So I can try and get it from anybody I want as long as it's nanosonics. As long as it's nanosonics, you right. have to get their kind of stuff. Okay. And again, you are in a hospital environment. You can't say, yeah, 
let's not sterilize the probe this time around. You know, Mrs. Johnson, are you okay if we use this? <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. So, so these guys tend to make the margins that they make on the refills are phenomenal yeah, and right. they get that wonderful recurring revenue and it's a thing of beauty. Now, our producer, Liam, he's, he's psychically in my head telling me that we haven't mentioned the codes for these companies. So Nanasonics is N-A-N, that's November, Alpha, November. And ResMed is R-M-D, Romeo, Mike, Delta. So yeah, both, ResMed, both Nanasonics, companies. both good companies. Yep. Have a look. Yep, definitely. Scott, thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. First, uh, it's been my pleasure. First episode of, of the second year. Exactly. Um, and I'm happy to have been your mentor over that period. Let's let's not forget <sighs> that you admitted to yeah, that earlier in the yeah. podcast. I'm List- sure you just talked over me, actually, <laughs> yourself. Listeners, we, we, as always, thank you. Um, <laughs> If Why you have any questions, uh, please send them in. That Twitter handle, Mr. Phillips? At the Motley Fool AU. Excellent. Uh, remember as well, you can subscribe to the podcast and through Triple M Motley Fool Money and all through, also through your favorite Android podcast app. And while you're there, give us five stars. But until next time, fool on. Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.